You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. And a happy new year to all of the listeners. Uh, let's just hope this one brings us some better news than 2020 did. Um, there we go. And to start the new year, we have a special guest. We have with us Andreas Gailunas of Pixelmator. Hello, welcome back, Hello, Andreas. Hello, yes. Hello, hello. Hello, and uh, we're joined also by Nick. Hello, Nick. Oh, hi. Happy New Year to everybody. Yeah. Well, let's just hope it's better. That's all we can. That's all we can uh, hope for at the moment, isn't it? Um, yes. Not. Uh, I have to say, I'm not. You know, I'm not going to be one of these people who suddenly thinks that uh, January the first meant all our problems went away. I don't think that's. <laughs> I think we're still <laughs> no, I don't in think for that's a. How it works. No, I think we're still in for a <laughs> few rough months. Yeah, it's not like a. It's not like a a, a Christmas reboot. <laughs> <laughs> if only, hey. If only. Yes. <laughs> There we go. Oh dear. So, um, as as I said, uh, and you heard, Andreas is here again. Um, Andreas, as I recall, the last time we spoke was uh, you were about to go into lockdown, and we were about to go into lockdown, and uh, I think Lithuania had just closed all of its borders, and you were preparing to hunker down, as were we. And uh, so um, it's been, what, nine, ten months now, and uh, Pixel Mater have done quite a lot uh, in, in that time. So um, would you like to tell us a bit about um, how you got through the lockdown and uh, some of the things you've done in the intervening period? Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, well, you're, very, you're right. Uh, we, did, we did go into lockdown for a, for a while. Um, in the spring, I believe it was, we came out of lockdown for a bit uh, in the summer. Um, and then we're now back under a fairly, well, very strict lockdown right now and had the dubious title of being the, the country with the highest uh, number of cases per capita of COVID. So that, uh, that aspect of the year has definitely not been great. Not, not been great, as you say. But I'm happy to report that uh, no one at Pixelmator has has got COVID, even though it's sort of been all around us. We've for now managed to to avoid it, which is really just I think a matter of luck. I mean, I personally had quite a few uh, close calls um, where I where I had to self isolate, but I managed to not catch COVID so far. So I don't know. Fingers crossed it stays that way, and I can get my vaccine. Yeah. Um, and maybe make it through. Um, so yeah, the, on the, on the coronavirus front, it hasn't been hasn't been great. But for Pixelmator, again, we've managed to avoid anyone getting ill, and we've done quite a few things actually. Um, so. It's been a it's been a pretty big year for Pixelmator Pro. I mean, I, I think we've talked about this you know, on previous occasions about how uh, when we did decide to release a brand new app, uh, it was a very 
difficult sort of transition, uh, you know, getting people to switch over from the classic pixelmator, um, getting everyone used to the new interface. Um, well, if just, you remember you know... the first time I said to you, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the new interface, but um... I do remember, and and that's and that's very understandable, and I really and I really do I do empathise with that myself as somebody who's not a big fan of big changes. Um, so, but you know, we decided to do it, and and the first couple of years, I have to say, for Pixmeter Pro, were just you know lots of patching things up and like making small changes that we sort of you know little keyboard shortcuts, little you know interface features that that were missed maybe or you know would have think about but this year i'm happy to to report has been more focused on shiny new features you know exciting sort of overhauls of of of, of things that that we've wanted to do for a long time but had to focus on the sort of on the foundation foundational stuff so i mean the highlights for me would be i guess uh obviously pixmeter pro 2.0 which i'll get to in, in a bit but uh, i really enjoyed the um the update we released uh with text on a path which is like a really really commonly requested feature from pixmeter classic you know yeah. for a decade i guess people have been asking for it and we've always kind of you know we thought all right we would like to do it when we have the time and we when we feel we can do the feature justice and i hope I think we did it really well um, because as far as I've used similar tools in other apps, they're usually very confusing. And I think we've managed to sort of keep it very simple, but very powerful, which is really cool. Uh, we also added quite interestingly, Apple script support, which is in this day and age quite unusual, but I had, I had the opportunity to, to write the scripting dictionary for that. Um, and, and, and I got quite familiar with it. And I think for somebody like me, who's a, for one, like, well, pretty much a native English speaker and, and also like a language guy. Apple Script is a very, very cool language. I can understand how, how it's very confusing uh, to people who aren't English speakers and maybe aren't quite, you know, uh, quite big as big fans of writing fluidly and with nice grammar and stuff. But anyway, I thought it was very, very cool and also incredibly powerful. And obviously, Pixmeter Pro 2.0 is a big, big deal. Um, where we added M1 support uh, and, and you pretty much like a completely refreshed, I don't want to say redesigned interface because it's the same overall design, but there's so many like just refinements to all kinds of places where we've, you know, having spent now three years with the app, even though it's like, okay, we need to slightly change this, slightly change that. And I think right now the app is in a very, is in a very, very um, great sort of spot in terms of its quality, I would say. So yeah, can that's I just, it. Yeah. Can I just ask about the Apple Script support? I, yes. I, I'm not. I'm not a. Um, I'm not a user of any um, graphical stuff because. <laughs> It's just not one of my uh, my skills. I just find myself getting lost in most things very quickly. Um, but uh, d does that enable you to sort of link things together so you can get multiple things to happen all at the same time? Or is, is that what it's for? I mean, Apple Script essentially lets you control every part of the Pixelmator Pro app almost every feature uh, using, you know, scripts. And that generally is great for automating any kind of repetitive tasks. I mean, I had like somebody, but one of our users who uh, most recently had, they were making like uh, custom iOS skins with icons and they had like one sort of design and had like a, this was, they were using the original Pixelmator and they had, um, let's say 30 layers in the file. And each time they would have to move this clipping mask down a layer and export the image. And that would take, I can imagine, 10 minutes to do by hand. And also it's an incredibly tedious, horrifying right. task, right? Apple script. Yeah. I wrote a script for, for, for her. Um, I think it was, a, it was a, I'm not sure. Um, and it took me 
say 25 maybe minutes to write the script and it would do all that in with one click in 15 seconds so you know <laughs> 10 minutes of yeah. work versus 15 seconds of work that's one thing obviously you can also make interactions with the other apps um so i'm not sure if you if you know there's this uh quite uh famous uh apple 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 employee let's say sal Segoyan. he was the oh yes yes i've heard he sal, helped yeah. us with he helped us quite a bit with uh with apple script support and he and he ha- had this quite nice example of um uh creating screenshots for app store you know, you know for app store images um so mm-hmm. sorry creating images for the app store uh, where you would have like a caption in several different languages obviously localized for each region and so he had he had each translation that he would get back let's say uh, for, in a numbers spreadsheet and it would take the translations and export you know the the app store image with each uh different text automatically from taking the text from numbers putting it into pixelmator prime I mean, it's very powerful really there's there's so many different um uses for it that that you can you also you can also extend the functionality of, of the app itself for example yes. um this is quite technical but there is a there's a thing called a high pass filter um where basically this in, in image editing um it takes the high frequencies i.e the details so for example in skin the kind of you know the the texture of, of skin um so the people use it for retouching quite a lot because they would retouch the sort of the lower lower frequency information i.e the sort of general color so to, to smooth out blemishes while retaining sort of the details and this is something oh, we, we didn't have yeah. before but you could but it's the sort of process that takes let's say five or six steps to do manually and you know that could take 30 seconds to a minute whereas you know write a script for it run the script it happens in a second so that's that's cool yeah i mean i used to the work i used to do involved quite a lot of trying to automate things to make them just easier for people to use um so yeah i'd i'd really appreciate that for, particularly if people can write me scripts you know so that the, yeah it's i mean having to do stuff <laughs> the trouble with apple script i guess is it's quite there's quite a sort of um I don't know, high barrier for entry, say, because because you do yeah. have to. I mean, for me, so I actually don't have very much programming experience. Um, I I'm a language guy. I I studied linguistics um, at York University right. in the north of England. Um, and and so I mean, I've I've dabbled in things. I'm quite a technical guy. I do know my way around a computer. I can always troubleshoot things myself. But, but this was sort of my first sort of um more technical project but i mm. honestly reading scripts because it's so it's you know they're all based on english and if they're written well you can understand straight away exactly what they do it is difficult to sort of modify them because there are quite a few sort of technical details about you know different data types whether it's a string or a number or yeah. you know an, a mac alias or something like that um so that's that's tricky but but i think yeah people used to ask me w- whether i was a programmer and i'd say no i'm not a programmer i'm someone who codes <laughs> <laughs> I, I use I use other things that have got code in them and I actually make them do what I want yeah, them to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's that's I would I would say I'm in the same boat. So and I, yeah. it did obviously it did take me a little while to get my head around Apple Script. And there is there are some things that are very much um, sort of general programming principle, you know, like loops and stuff. I think yes. for somebody who doesn't program, it's difficult to really get your way around how how loops work and how you know how you can loop with you know create a, a loop with with one variable that changes and basically that way process hundreds of let's say items of any kind but you know get a different result each time and stuff like that i mean that's kind of that's i think that's something that's just general sort of programming skill that mm-hmm. does really help uh if, if you do know that it helps you sort of to to master apple script a lot easier so but yeah it, so, but principally in in uh, in pixelmator it's all about um just 
making monotonous things less monotonous <laughs> yeah by, yeah i mean yeah, i mean that's kind by of automating them yeah that's kind of yeah exactly but but also i, I do want to kind of highlight the fact that you can pretty much create your own features uh using using these scripts i mean it's kind of automation uh -huh. people think like okay so i need to do hundreds of things well sometimes you just need to do like a multi-step process in the app to to you know do do one thing let's say to modify one object in right. one way so it's something we'll you use that. all the while yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah sounds cool yeah so yeah. that's pixelmator pro but also i mean we've we've also done things to pixelmator for ios i think i mean I, I know that you know the thing that everyone's waiting for is is support for pixelmator pro files in in ios which is kind of the sort of the legacy app in a way that that was you know the companion to pixelmator classic although i think it's a fantastic app in its own right of course i don't think it's just just you know the sort of companion app but at this at this moment in time, you know, that's something that's what most of our users uh, would like to see. And it's something we haven't ha managed to do just yet, but I can say that we are working on it. Uh, we are now actively working on it, whereas before it was just like, okay, we, we would like to do it. Mm. Um, and Pixmeter Photo, our, our photography-oriented app um, for iPad, also had some incredible updates. Uh, we brought our ML super resolution feature for upscaling upscaling photos using using uh, machine learning to iPad, which we thought might not be possible, but we we managed to do it. Which I'm very proud of the of the developers for that. Um, and it got us a, a feature at the at the September Apple event where where the iPads uh, the new iPad Air was unveiled. Um, and I also managed to make an appearance in that. I don't know if anyone <laughs> saw, but I did briefly uh, talk about ML Super Resolution, which was a very, very cool experience for me, seeing myself on that on that uh, incredibly produced event. So yeah, I yeah. think that's, did, I've covered, yeah. Uh, did, am I, I'm not sure, am I remembering this correct? Did that, did the Super Resolution not also got, get mentioned in the M1 announcement where they used it as a sort of, you know, yes. look look yes. how quickly yep. we can do this ML super, yep. you yes. know, pixel mate, the super res, which has got to be a big, you know, look how much faster we can do um, pixel mate, a super res using uh, an M1. Yes. And the amount that it is faster is actually 15 times, which is pretty mind blowing. Um, yeah. So because the the M1 has the has the neural engine, for, which is a dedicated neural processor, mm. um, you know, on, on comparable devices. So for example, the MacBook Air, the regular MacBook Air, well, I mean, the Intel MacBook Air compared to the M1 MacBook Air uh, is 15 times faster, which is it's just, it's a, it's, it's a sort of number where you think like, surely that's just, you know, them, <laughs> just making that, it up. <laughs> yeah, or no, in, in fact, even even funnier is when, when we're working on things like this, like, you say, well, people aren't going to believe this. They'll think we just made it up. We can't use this. The number is too big. It's too know, big, yeah. Quite... yeah. Oh, dear. It reminds me, um, over, you might or might not be familiar with it, but there's a, there's, um, uh, there's a radio station over here. Um, I can't remember it, but I think it might be, it wasn't Planet Rock. It's one of the other, absolute, absolute music or something. But they have um they have a little voice slot there where they have Matt Berry um and he says um these things uh the station with the fastest growing listenership uh in in you know in radio since we started making the figures up <laughs> just just, uh, just sprung to my mind but it's very funny the way Matt Berry does it if you're familiar with his kind of uh, intonation yeah yeah he's from the the uh, the IT crowd yeah 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 he used to be the bot yeah one of the bosses yeah and he, he does his thing yeah, oh and the know. mighty Boosh and Garth Ring is dark place yeah, yeah. oh yeah and, um, yeah and it also uh, just spinning off uh, what we do in the dark is that uh, is that the one the one about the vampires he's in that as well if you've not seen that 
No, I haven't seen that. No. Uh, what we do in the shadows, I think it's called. Um, it's a it's a spin off from a film. Um, but basically, you've got a bunch of vampires who live in a apartment in the sort of suburbs of New York. I think it's very very funny. Okay. Very okay, I'll very. Check it out. Funny. Yeah. Yeah, and he's hilarious in that. Um, all I can say is look out for the episode about the cursed hat. Is hilarious. <laughs> I won't spoil it. There we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, but back with what we were talking about. Yeah. Um. Yes, that's right. You got you got a mention, obviously, in the the iPad thing. You got a mention for you know during the super resolution um piece. Um, Pixelmator, um, the original Pixelmator, now dubbed, I believe, Pixelmator Classic, has been um end of life, I believe. Is that correct? You're not. Well, it's still. I yes, mean, it's still working. Still, it's still still, it's still available. working. We're still updating it. It's not natively compatible with M1 Max. We don't plan to add full compatibility. We may. We may. We may add some form of of, of native M1 support. Um, we'll see. I mean, the thing is, <laughs> in terms of like you know financially and stuff like that, it really yeah, well, of course, you can't keep quite, updating you know, it. But we quite... do. We do sympathize and empathize with all of our users. So we, you know, it's been so the app has been getting free updates. For I think I can't remember when exactly it came out. I believe it was. I'll just check. I think it was like January the 11th, if I'm not uh, mistaken, when the Mac App Store was released. Really the Mac App Store um, launch date. When was it? January 6th, and today is January 3rd. So in three days, Pixelmator will have been getting free updates for exactly 10 years very um, on the Mac App Store, which is <laughs> I think is a very very. I think that's very very, very significant amount of time. For a, for an app that costs well thirty dollars in the US, many people got it for fifteen. You know, for a while, I think it was like thirteen or twelve pounds in the UK I, when the exchange rate was very, I think, very favourable. I think I bought my copy of Pixelmator for about ten pounds. I think it was yeah, ten ninety nine or eleven ninety nine. Something like that. Yeah, that. It was, was it was yeah, nothing. Yeah. You know, relatively, it was a, a very so yeah yeah so inexpensive think, uh, app. Yeah, so I, I always I always like to point this out because um, I think it's. I think it's unusual in the world of software for, yes. a, for a paid app to get free updates for, for such a long time. I guess, I mean, obviously, you know, you can say that, yes, for the last couple of years, the updates haven't been very shiny and uh, and, and huge, but well, no, yeah, I does, think that does work I th- well. I think that's, you know, it's still a very viable app. Don't don't get me wrong, sure. but obviously, you know, times have moved Let, on. Let's face you, it. Let, you've done let's a face it, we do. Know, we do. Let's face it. We know companies who charge every time they update. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, and not even every time they update every month, regardless of updates. But anyway, that's not. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, that's a whole different topic. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. So, uh, you talk a bit about uh, Pixelmator two because obviously, um, as you say, you in it, you know, you had Pixelmator Pro, uh, which was mm-hmm. you know nice, but as you say, a bit of a you know shock of the new. And I initially said to you, I wasn't um. <laughs> keen on the layout but it, it it you know it evolved it evolved over you know various updates you know if you look at pixelmator pro you know 1.0 and then compare it to pixelmator pro 1.8 you know then there's a fair amount of evolution over time um yeah yeah for sure for sure and and now you've moved on to you know 2.0 which uh, by the way i think also you you said if you're a you know if you're a pixelmator pro um user 
2.0 is still free. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's amazing as well. Not many people will go, you know, a, you know, an actual new build and say, yeah, you can have that for free as well. Um, So, you know, <laughs> props to you. I'm not quite sure how you pay the bills when you keep giving it all away for nothing. But, uh, you know, <laughs> as long as you're, you know, putting food on the table, you know, go, go, go. <laughs> um, and, yeah, you know, I'm, 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 much happier with the interface now. Um, I, I got used to it. I'd, I'd still personally like to put the toolbar on the other side. <laughs> but that's just me. Yeah. It's 30 years of having toolbars on the left-hand side. And, you know, I well, know I, Apple are now kind of going, put them on the right. But uh... Well, in, in, in the latest update, we did actually add the ability to move the, the, the tools. Well, in fact, customize interface. So you can move the list of tools to the left uh, along with the tool options pane. But I mean, it's not the, the way the app is laid out right now. It does make sense to have the tools and the tool options pane next to each other. Yes, indeed. Um, Very much so. So, yeah. so I mean, you know, while you can move it and some people definitely do and have done, you can have the tools along the top of the app. You can have them along the bottom. You can have them, the tools and the layers on one side. Um, in fact, we have, we also got what we're calling workspace presets going to uh, preferences uh, and, and, and click the workspace tab. Um, you know, there are different sort of presets that aren't massively different from each other, but they are optimized for, you know, painters and photographers. Cause obviously, you know, Pixmeter Pro is a very full featured app. It's not you yes. know, just and, design, and just photography, just painting, just illustration. So yeah. Um, in fact, I'm just looking at it now. Um, to be honest, I have only just recently um, gone on to 2.0, so I haven't actually explored it, uh, perhaps that's as okay. much as I should. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> oh, that's new. Look, yes, you can move all the bits around. That's shiny. I like that. Yeah, I like yeah, that. yeah. Uh, so that's a, that's a very cool. I mean, so I can talk a little, about, a little bit about, you know, the idea, I guess, behind Pixelmator Pro 2.0. I mean, we're calling it 2.0. The, the version isn't maybe... Uh, the key thing, the name hasn't changed. It's still just Pixmeter Pro. Uh, I think people have kind of uh, taken the 2.0 to be kind of an essential part of the name. I just call it just Pixmeter Pro and the latest version is 2.0. Uh, but that's besides the point. Um, so yeah, but we, we did uh, in this in this update, we did do a lot of refining of the UI. Nothing nothing shockingly, well, I mean, there are some things like the presets, but, but there are certain things that we've wanted to, to fix for a while uh, that we haven't, you know, until now haven't really had the time for um but 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 now we have and i think it's it's just you know the app is becoming more and more refined by the by the day really um and i think that's very very it's a very nice feeling considering where we started from i think i think i mentioned this before but i'll i'll repeat myself when Pixelmeter Pro came out just over three years ago now, uh, the rating on the App Store, the average rating was 3.7 out of 5 for quite a while. I think at least half a year, if not 12 months. Um, and, you know, it was it was tough. It was just emotionally because we do invest a lot of ourselves you know, emotionally into the app and it's success because, you know, we do it kind of because we we enjoy what we do more than anything else you know we're not we haven't got any kind of board members or investors going you know you need to do this you need to do that um so all we do is kind of what we come up with ourselves because we want to make a really great mac app uh, in terms of fixed media protocols and then we also have again our other apps where that same applies so so yeah and when we bought the first version it was 3.7 on the app store for about 12 months and i you know now it's worldwide rated 4.8 out of 5 with i believe almost 16,000 if not we just might have hit 16,000 total ratings with like 14,000 or something five star ratings 
which is wait, is that right? Fourteen thousand. That that I've just said it. That, that sounds ridiculous, but that, I think that is the case. Um, let me double check what exactly we've got. So I mean, and that's that's a testament. Well, on your of, on your website, it says twelve thousand five hundred and sixty-six. Okay, but I twelve thousand over over twelve thousand five star ratings worldwide. There we go. I think it's thirteen thousand now because we haven't updated in a little bit. Oh, so yeah, right. and that's a, that's a testament to to our you know our the work we've put in, and I think two point is 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 another step in that direction. So it's, it's quite it's quite I think it's just a very 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 great sign of you know that even though you know when the first version came out we saw okay things aren't where we want them to be we maybe haven't had enough time to to polish everything um as much as we would have liked but But i think as well you know i'll be honest there is always there's the shock of the new isn't there of course for for a lot of people if if you were you know if you were a pixel mate um user and then which was you know is a very was a very well refined app by that point i mean it was what seven years old by then um yeah yeah and you know constantly got good reviews and mentioned in magazines and you know on tech podcasts and things as a as an excellent alternative to you know paying adobe or you know um whatever but which i you know it's an app i, I like a lot I, I use several different apps i've got pixelmator classic i've got pixelmator pro i've got um you know the affinity uh suite now um obviously you're not quite in the same space although pixelmator pro i would say is beginning to you know edge up into that same space as um you know the sort of heavy duty photoshop kind of um level certainly um certainly with you know 2.0 so you know i'm not dissing you for that and it, no that's not i'm not i don't take it that way like, no um yeah. you know it's it's like i mean because you'll know we have you know we've had alex sepco on you know from luminar and sure, and yeah. we've had photoshop elements on and you know often you know we talk about where where is that app pitched because some apps are pitched you know at the common man if you like and there that means there's a whole load of features um that you know you don't need to include like you're talking about the high pass filter um that's something that most you know average in air quotes users would have no use for or no understanding of or not really want to get involved with um which is you know where you get um you know you get image editing apps which are aimed at much quicker simpler you know you can crop you can do you can adjust brightness and vibrance and you know and and luminar work very much towards um this is how to develop your photograph you know you can pick themes you know for vibrance and shadow and all those kind of things and apply them quickly and easily um whereas as you say pixelmator is a is a very broadly powerful um application you can do photos but you can do digital painting and you can do you know vector work and like say things like type on a path and that's that's in a slightly different ballpark and appeals to a slightly different user, which is, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. In the same way, you know, as we say before, you know, some people are happy to buy a Kia because it's down here and it does what they need. Other people would like to have a Maserati. And um, <laughs> that's just, that's life. And that means, you know, all markets have that kind of segmentation somewhere along the line before between super powerful, super expensive and super complicated all the way down to the, you know, the very simplest of apps. Um, I don't know if you're familiar, are you familiar with, um, is it Seashore? Which is a really, 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 really lightweight um, open source app 
sprung off from Gimp. No, I haven't. I haven't actually. Oh well, it, it, Seashore. It, it, I'll check it out. I think it's called Seashore. Um, I'll have yes, a quick look. I can see. I can see. Yeah, yeah just, and just, if uh, you uh, if you would, you know, that is almost Toy Town level. It's it's taken the a very few core features of Gimp and made a little mm. tiny app. And you know, and it's oh, well, it's not native. Interesting. Well, at least it's got a relatively native UI. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, so just from our perspective, um, it's it's difficult to even really sort of sometimes say exactly where we where we, we where we would place ourselves in the you know on the spectrum of you know totally pro oriented and totally beginner because we I guess we kind of <laughs> we just want the best of both worlds or at least we want to take the pro level tools and put them in an interface that's usable understandable to you know beginner users but I guess we do still want to give them the the powerful tools just in a kind of mm. in a Mac native you know, nice looking intuitive interface. Um, of course, you know, oftentimes we do uh, not, we don't, let's say we don't add features that we think maybe a little, are a little bit too advanced, uh, you know, in terms of what people ask us for. But, but that might change, you know, year to year. So, okay, maybe last year, this thing didn't make sense. But now, I mean, in the, the most recent update after 2.0, which is we added uh, quite a few very cool effects. So one was displacement map, another one was the high pass filter, mm. um, and the other one's a gradient map. So those three things uh, allow you to make very realistic looking sort of mock-ups of, uh, of, of illustrations on rough surfaces. And of course, all these tools are, you know, very, I would say, quite advanced. And yeah, even definitely. though... Even though getting the result that you sort of that most people would be happy with and that looks pretty amazing, uh, takes you know 15, 20, 30 seconds, let's say. Um, it's it's still quite a complex task. But when you when you give people you know an easy to follow tutorial and you put all those tools in various sort of easy to find places, you you you, you cut out any kind of friction points where people might get stuck or confused about certain things that I mean in in terms of the displacement map effect um, that we we added in a certain well in, in photoshop you have to like you know create a separate file for the map and stuff and we just you know we we created uh an effect that uses drag and drop you just drag and drop whatever you want to use for the map and that's it you have to you know save a file and then import the file and stuff like that so you know that's something that if when we add features like this we think okay we have to get rid of all this tricky business and i'm hmm. sure you know there are you know legacy reasons why this happens the way it doesn't i'm sure they'd like to fix it i'm sure they know um, you know they're not this is just that you know. i think you yeah i mean the thing with photoshop um is again like all super powerful applications it has a deep deep amount of complexity in it and and you're right because things like uh doing a bump map uh you know whatever in photoshop were in introduced you know when they were introduced they were you know revolutionary or you know but often they took a lot of complex manual steps and over time some of those things they've made easier but some of them it's such a huge program that you know well it's there you know it's there if you want to use it but as an average user unless you've done several tutorials on how to make it work it's it's just the way it is but um yeah i, I think you're right i'm sure they would love to fix it but i i think um, and i'm sure they i'm sure they will eventually i mean it's like a, it's quite yeah, like everything you know quite, it just yeah yeah I but mean, you know when you have you know, a really large you know large old cold ba uh, code base um yeah i mean and, you know cross cross platform support and stuff like that oh it doesn't, God, it doesn't yeah. get a lot easier so that's that's something that you know we obviously have a lot easier and that's why we love being you know mac native for a, for a small company it makes perfect 
perfect sense. Yeah. Um, so, you, know, you know, and it's in there. It, yeah. It's in the same ballpark that you know, as Ashley Houston said about you know the affinity stuff was you know the dev said, look, you know our our plus range, which is very successful, you know, and had been going for a long time. They said, look, this is lovely, but it's creaky. We need to start something from the ground up, and then we can take advantage of all these fabulous new technologies and and build all the you know all the things we want cleanly and efficiently, rather than being built sort of you know layer upon layer nailed on top of a <laughs> all teetering on a on the back of a tortoise as it were um yeah, yeah yeah you know and that is of course the problem that the photoshop has got uh, you know and they've got this huge edifice 25 years worth of development but somewhere probably deep deep in the layers of that code there are bits of photoshop one you know <laughs> Um, written for 68K in the, the first instance, you know. Um, so, yeah, I guess th those are the sort of um, issues you get, don't you, with, you know, with being a giant. And as you say, it's a giant and it's 25 years old and it's got cross-platform support and all the rest. And that introduces a huge amount of um, inertia and, well, just complexity for everybody, you know, users and, no doubt, maintainers. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, but, uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, again, that's not, I don't want to, at all, I don't want to not Photoshop in any way. I think no. it's a great app. Yeah. Um, um, you know, so, and it, yeah. it, it, you know, it, it has its, it has its position in, in, I mean, and, and, and it is, you know, let's be honest, it is, it is, it is sort of the, the, the premier image editing app for, you know, most pros, and that's fine. I think, uh, you know, great we, we we don't we don't we've always sort of felt that we we again occupy a different space so that's that's uh yeah. well you know i i i have this thing this sort of love hate thing with photoshop um, um because obviously you know in, in my career i spent most of my career uh relying on you know the adobe apps illustrator photoshop um indesign um but when they moved um, I mean, they were always expensive, so they are always definitely pitched at professional. Um, but when they moved to, you know, a subscription service, I I felt um, I understood why they did that. But I thought you are kind of thumbing the eye of the non-professional users. And then I thought, well, there's always been plenty of other apps which like, you know, like Microsoft, everybody thinks they have to have Microsoft Office, even though there are a million other apps that can do those things. Everybody seems to think they have to have Photoshop, even though there are, you know, a million, well, not a million, but you know what I mean. There are, there's a wide plethora of alternatives available at, at every level of um, thing, which will not set you back ludicrous sums of money. So, you know, as we say, you know, you've got everything from Affinity um, through probably Pixelmator Pro, Pixelmator, you know, down and then right at the bottom you've, you've got simple things like seashore um yeah. and in some ways i think adobe did everybody else a little bit of a favor in some ways because people don't want you know non-professional users do not wish to pay a subscription they want to buy a nice app that does what they want and um so in a, in a way you know adobe gave those other you know developers people like yourselves as i say and affinity and and whatever a, a leg up as a way because people will actively seek out alternatives. True. I've been, true. I've been very quiet because I've downloaded Pixelmator Pro <laughs> <laughs> and I've been playing with it. It's it, cool. It is cool, <laughs> isn't it? It's a, you know, it's a, it's a really, really nice Well, when app. I saw the price, I thought, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't not download that now. 
<laughs> well, it is on sale. It is on sale. It's a fifty percent off right now until yeah. Well, I think tomorrow you just actually that's a good. I've just snuck in. Yeah. <laughs> Jolly good. Uh, it's oh, it's uh, yeah, clever stuff. I I can't say I understand an awful lot of it, but uh, but even well, even the I've just been playing with the effects. I quite like some of those. They're, yeah, they're pretty well, cool there's, as well. There's presets. Um, if you want, I mean, there's a we have a tutorial site that has a. Um, quite a few things to try if you want, and the, the tutorials that I think I would, oh, I would think like I to might say be visiting that. Echo quite on. easy to follow, and we've got a user guide that you'll find also on the web. Um, so there's definitely stuff if you want to if you want to sort of um, you know edit a couple of photos. There's a there's a nice tutorial on on illustration that I quite like, um, how to you know turn a real life drawing into into a digital illustration that we worked on with a, with a colleague of mine. Quite a while, uh, yeah. So I hope I hope I hope you enjoy the app. Thank you. Excellent. I'm sure I will. And uh, if you send me a link to that, Andreas, I'll put it in the show notes. The, the link to the tutorial. Okay, I'll, I'll send you the uh, the link, the main link, and I'll send you the uh, the link to the tutorial that I mentioned as well. I I personally do enjoy quite a lot. There we go. Excellent. I will put those in the show notes so uh, you know people can um, follow that up. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. So um. I think we've pretty much covered it all, haven't we? You've done um... all and a lot more. That was quite, yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong at all. Other things to catch it. our eye, indeed. Yes. Uh, right. Well, let's have a look at a few stories. Many of these are only worth a mention, I guess. Um, Apple has started shipping out the special iPhones for security researchers. These are the ones which are effectively uh, already jailbroken, so that you don't have to jailbreak them in order to poke around inside the system, which um, I believe Apple announced at WWDC or around that time. Um, yeah, they said they, they were going to give out, um, you know, special iPhones to bona fide um, approved security researchers, which is good because that helps make everybody safer. A um, bit like the scary story we had um, a couple of shows ago about the... Um, you know, uh, rootable, uh, spreadable, no interaction exploit, which the guy from um, Google Zero found and yes. told Apple about before it got out. Uh, so, you know, these are the sort of people we're sending, they'll be sending these iPhones to, which is good news for everybody, I think. Um, yeah, only available to individuals or organisations with a proven track record of success in finding security issues on Apple platforms or other modern operating systems and the platforms. Yep, indeed, indeed. No, not available to Joe Blog. Um, no. There we go. Uh, the new M1 Mac Mini is now available as a hosted server with Mac Stadium, according to 9to5Mac. Um, there you go. Um, not quite sure what that means to most people. I guess it means if you uh, run hosted servers, you can now rent one from Mac Stadium with an M1 processor. Um Mm. Um, unsurprisingly, record app store spending during the holidays thanks to the pandemic. Um, not sure that's all due to the pandemic. I think that's just due to the app store being an ever-growing um, stream of yeah, revenue. I, no, I, yeah, I think they're just saying because we're because people aren't going out much, <laughs> they're lot more likely to buy from online stores. I think that's all they're implying there. Well, I think yeah. I I would say I would say we in fact during the first lockdown we also saw higher traffic and high sales. So I think maybe there is something to this. So this correlation I mean, people are at home and like, okay, well I'm not going out, might as well pick up a new hobby yeah. image editing, yeah. let's say. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think that's, that's... 
that is also yeah. possibly true. I just think um, to say it's thanks to the pandemic is possibly overstating the case. Um, <laughs> Maybe every, so. every Christmas, the app stores seem to get pounded because, you know, as more people, you know, get gifted, oh, here's a lovely, shiny new iPhone for your Christmas present. They then rush yes, to I the mean, they could quite download a load of stuff. Yeah, they could quite possibly have had record app store sales even without the pandemic. So, hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, they're particularly, you know, talking about the holiday period here. So Thanksgiving through to New Year, I guess, is the, um, the period they're talking about. Um, this one... Um, here we've got a serious warning issued for Apple AirPod Max users from Forbes. Um, not always our favourite source, but um, you find it elsewhere around the web. This is just the first one I came across. Apparently, um, AirPod Max users are finding condensation uh, collecting inside the cans and in the drivers um, after even moderate amount of time of wearing them, which could be a oh, bit dear. of a problem. Um, yeah, that doesn't sound good. No, some people are saying that um, using pretty much closed aluminium uh, covers for the, uh, you know, the earphones themselves might not be the best uh, material. Um, certainly, with you know, they possibly have insufficient um, ventilation and therefore cooler air on the outside and hot air from, you know, hot air from your ears is causing yes. condensation inside them. Um, some people have said that they are scared that their $550 earphones might not last long like that and are opting to return them. Um, so I don't know what Apple are going to be able to do about that. Um, mm, interesting. I mean, we we always get some stories, don't we, about mm. edge cases, but this does this smacks of a more of a problem for Apple. Well, it does because there's people in there um, in that you know saying, well, I wore these for forty minutes in my office, and when I took the ear, you know the magnetic ear cuff piece off, you know there was considerable amount of condensation on the inside and in the drivers, which doesn't strike me as yeah. a good thing. Um, no, it doesn't, does it? Oh, it'll be interesting to see if it becomes a yes. Replace bits of earpods uh, story later on, mm, or or even you know, or you're not wearing them in the right way. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, at, at one, I think one piece in there mentions that the you know Apple support said you know wipe take the ear cuff off and um, wipe the inside you know with a dry cloth. But uh, the reply to that was yeah that's fine, but the drivers are you know you can't get at them, and I'm pretty no. sure there should no, not be right. condensation on the inside of the cans. So um, what will happen about that? We will have to see. Um, I've gotten yeah. I think we'll probably hear more about that later. I on. think that yes. Well, let's, let's hope it doesn't turn into wet gate or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sounds terrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've got an article here from Elite Daily, who I've uh, not come across before, which says this underrated HomePod mini feature will make your TV room sound like a movie theatre. Um, they're talking about uh, pairing your uh, HomePod minis uh, to take advantage of uh, the 5.1-7.1 um, well, simulation, because you, obviously it's not a real <laughs> 5.1 yeah. system, but it uses, um, was it the Dolby Atmos um, is supported. Um, it's not a bad article. It's, they describe it as 11 hacks to improve your, um, you know, your HomePod mini experience. Actually, it should probably be called 11 handy features because none of them are hacks. They're all, yes. they're all things that uh, you might Seems need. Seems to like, like to use the word hack, don't they? Because oh, I yes. think you'll get more clicks. 
get more clicks. It's not a hack at all. It's just, you know, this is actual, you know, these are all things that you can do with your HomePod Mini. Um, but if you have a HomePod Mini, it might be worth a look. There's some hints and tips on there on things that you might not be aware are, uh, you know, you can do. Um, uh, Apple are going to let the Amphetamine app stay in the App Store after they wrongly told the developer it violated the App Store rules. Um, <laughs> whoops. Whoops. Yeah, well, uh, of course, um, for anybody who doesn't know, the Amphetamine app uh, is designed to help prevent your um, your Mac going to sleep. Um, yeah. t- to be honest, as far as I'm aware, go into the power settings and tell your Mac not to go to sleep. But there you go. There may be other um, other reasons. Anyway, it's a well-known app, and it's called Amphetamine because it helps keep your Mac awake. I think there's a similar one called Caffeine, to be honest. But anyway, um, somebody at Apple... Yes, that's right. Somebody at Apple saw the name and thought it was promoting the use of uh, <laughs> recreational chemicals, so they said they were going to pull it. But uh, when, uh, when the developer apparently explained what it did um in you know fairly forceful terms and said i've been in here for years don't be so silly they've changed their mind so there we go um well done (laughs) perhaps you should have checked what the app did rather than just looking at the name whoever was responsible for that one um yeah probably an algorithm actually to be honest probably just got flat well it could be could be i mean it has been around a long time Yes, it's it? certainly not a new well, 2014, app. 2014, it said in there. Yeah. Did it? Right. I was going to say, I certainly am well familiar with it. I've never used it, but um, no, you know, there we go. Um, however, Apple have removed the app called Vibe Together, which promoted people having secret pandemic parties and organising, um, you know, get-togethers oh. and so on, um, clandestinely. Um, so, yeah, well done, Apple. Quite right yes, on that one. the I right thing to do. We should not be having apps... Uh, you know, trying to either encouraging people to break the law. Yeah, (laughs) either facilitating or encouraging people to do things they should not be doing, especially as we were talking before the show about, you know, just how bad bad things are are at the moment. You know, quite possibly worse than uh, when we all went into lockdown the first time. Um, I think some of it is fatigue, you know, lockdown fatigue. But um, actually, I think things are probably worse now than they were at the start. There we go. Um, Definitely spreading more quickly. Yes. there we are. Uh, what else? Um, I've got one here called Five iOS Bugs and Annoyances Apple Needs to Fix in 2021 from ZNet. Uh, and it's got, uh, I, I read this and it's got five. Um, fix AirDrop. Well, I don't use AirDrop very much, but I know, um, I do know. If, do you use AirDrop much, Nick? Uh, I've used it a few times. Seems yeah. to have worked okay when I've tried to use this. I I think um, I just forget about it most of the time. Yeah, I don't I don't <laughs> use it very much. I don't. Um, I know Apple have tried to promote it more because they've moved it in the share sheet. It tends to be it's fixed at the you know number one in the favourites, and you can't move it. Yeah. Um. So they're definitely trying to promote it, but I do know uh, usually it works fine. But if it doesn't, as he says, there is no way to diagnose what's going on, and you have to reboot everything and mess around with mm. the network connection to get it going. Um. There we are. So there. I actually use it quite a lot, Adrop. I just just to provide a different perspective. I use it all the time, and it, I mean it does have some issues. Like sometimes we around the office. Um, when we're at the office, uh, we do use it quite a bit. as uh, the fastest way to send something through, really. So I think, yeah, but sometimes it does it does do that thing where you've got it turned on, you've got it, you know, the AirDrop thing tabbed and Finder opened up. 
and it won't show um you know the other person but yeah but i'm I'm personally i would just like to provide a different perspective and say i love airdrop (laughs) you you see and that is a good perspective probably because you know when you're in the office with i don't know you know your crew it's probably a very useful way of sending things from oh i've got this on my phone or i've got this on my mac and i'll send it over to you um i yeah. don't use it much because you know on the whole i'm only really interacting with myself so things i want everywhere yes, likewise I, can, I put in the cloud i'll keep them in OneDrive or um you know iCloud so mm, yeah I could, you know, I can imagine um, if you're working in a group that it's very useful. Um, but all I have, all I can say on that was, yeah, literally, I have heard people say sometimes, as you just said, sometimes people don't show up and that there's no way of knowing what the problem is. Um, mm, that's the yeah, only annoyance yeah. with that one. Um, he has said, let me mute specific apps. Um, some apps can be super noisy by design or because they switch to noisy ads. This is jarring. Um, give me a way to mute specific apps so the apps I want to listen to don't get swamped. Um, or shut the app you don't want. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you uh, can already. I mean, you can already mute tabs, can't you? In in um, Safari, yeah. which is a very yeah. handy feature, by the way. If you have something open like YouTube that, or or a website, some that I mean, you you know, I use ad blockers that kill most of those sort of auto running ads and things. But um, there are there aren't too many places now that have auto playing stuff on them. That but but you do still get the occasional one. Yeah. Um, when you're least expecting it. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm not. That's not a problem I suffer from. Um, noisy apps. I, then again, I tend to close the apps I'm not using. Um, just me. Um, this one I do agree with though. Apple keeps shoving more and more stuff into the settings app to the point where it has become a Windows control panel of iOS. Um, which is true. If you go into the settings app on iOS with any regularity. It has become a monster with, um, you know, hundreds hundreds of bloody Didn't Alison, didn't Alison Sheridan do something where she she mapped it out? She did like a mind map for the settings app at Um, some point. Quite possibly. And it was huge. It's huge. Well, (laughs) I think the problem with that is on, on iOS... A few settings for an app live within the app, and then a large number yeah. of sort of system-related settings for the app live in settings, which means the more apps you have, the more labyrinthine the bloody settings become because you've got... Yeah, I can see that it's it's complicated, isn't it? At some point, you have to make a decision over whether this is app-specific or whether it's system-specific, mm. and sometimes it isn't easy to make that decision. No, it's not. I'm guessing we, we actually we actually had this kind of issue with uh, Pixel made a photo on 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 the iPad. We kept sort of. I mean, I think a, a year ago, maybe more, two years ago, let's say. I think the the design, the interface guidelines said that any settings for the app should live in the settings app. I think now it's changing where apps uh, are moving their settings. Well, the, the the native apps at least started moving their settings back to the apps. And that's what we do with Pixel Photo. I think it does make sense. I think app settings should live in the app and even maybe sort of system-specific settings. I, th- I like how it is on, on Mac OS. I think in terms of system set, system preferences, there's probably a similar number of preferences on Mac OS and iOS. Again, I don't know. Maybe that's not true. But I would, yeah, I would, I would say it's probably hazard not. a guess that there's a similar. And it doesn't seem too bad. Like, I mean, I know there's a lot of sort of complexity to it as well. But I think, yeah, the, I would agree with you on, on the fact that 
the, because each app has its own you know section in the settings app and when you have a lot of apps it just it's kind of and, incredible how many how long that list is and it also becomes on ios as well so for you know if you go to notifications you've got kind of a basic notification on off and but then you've got the notification settings for every single app now, although that kind of makes a certain amount of sense, it's almost like you want to have a, you know, could we have a default setting so that, you know, could the default setting be I only want, um, you know, notification notifications, not banners or whatever, and, you know, and yes, I'll have badges. And then you only would have to go through a few and say, right, I don't want notifications from, you know, hippity hoppity game or whatever. Um, but it, it, many of the sections in iOS App Store, um, you know, app settings or system settings, as it were, um, on iOS, then you click that and then you get another huge list because all the apps have got entries in there as well. And it, it does yeah. become sometimes finding something. I want to just simply turn off something in this one particular app. Digging it out can be a nightmare. So um, there we are. Uh, get rid of in, It's interesting because the next one is also about digging in and getting stuff. Mm. Yes. <laughs> uh, Isn't it? Get rid of ads in the App Store app. If I search for the Facebook app, why do I get TikTok at the top? Because TikTok are paid for the top spot. I detest this. It is user-unfriendly, bordering on deceptive, and a practice on surprised Apple condones. Um, well, there's partly that, possibly. And yeah, I kind of agree with that. But also, let's face it, we all know discoverability in the App Store is bloody awful. Um, yeah. As we've said before, sometimes... And, and, and search doesn't work. No. <laughs> it's remarkable how it doesn't work. Sometimes you can type in a word that is in the title of the thing that you're looking for and it doesn't give you it no I mean, i've had that they um, need to fix that what but the, i don't remember what it was but there was a show where we mentioned it where somebody there was an app you know new breaking app and everybody yes, said, you had to type something else to actually find it if it you typed in weird. its name you didn't get it you got something completely different um so you had to, you know, people were tweeting out, if you want this new app, you've got to search for this on the App Store, because if you search for its actual name, you won't get it. I don't remember what it was. but Yeah, yes, I remember the uh, I remember the conversation. It, yeah, they, they do really do. If there's one thing they need to sort out, it's that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this one, get rid of app clutter. Apple doesn't make it easy to find out which apps you use and which you don't. And as a result, iOS becomes stuffed with legacy apps. Um, I'd like to see Apple highlight two different subsets of apps I have installed. Apps the developer hasn't updated for over a year and apps I haven't used in three, six or 12 months. Um, well, it's not... Yeah, um, that's not a bad request. Not a bad request. Um, yeah, don't just go installing random stuff all over your iOS devices, I suppose. But that's, I can, another, that's another that, solution. <laughs> that's another solution. But I, I can... I can see, particularly if you could have a list which said, you know, these are the apps you haven't used in, you know, or this app was last used on, um, yeah. you know, a month ago, three months, whatever, would allow you to go to that list and go, well, if I haven't used this in 12 months, maybe I should just delete it. Um, so, or perhaps you, could have a set, perhaps you could have a setting on the homepage which basically allowed those that you use most often to bubble to the top. Who knows? That, that, would, that would be useful. And those that you hardly ever use just disappeared back down the uh, down, down your pages so you never yeah. see them again 
Although, yeah, it would be quite, yeah, and then you could just go to the back page and go, right, well, everything on here hasn't been used in forever, delete it. Right. Yes. It's not a, you know, not, not an unreasonable request. I mean, they're quite happy to tell you how many hours of the day you've spent staring at your device. That's true. You know, um, surely they could tell you what apps you haven't used. They don't have to tell you what app, you know, what apps you haven't used or, or even maybe the amount of time used in the last X period. So mm. you could go to the ones at the bottom that says you have not used this app any hours at all in the last three months and go right well delete i suppose the only difficulty with the only difficulty with that is that some apps you download specifically for a piece of kit that you might have bought Mm, but then again Uh, and you and and again you you may need it but you may not need it more than once every two or three years well yeah i mean you need to make a slight alteration to it i mean i have um i've got a a thing there for my for my router netgear genie which allows you to configure your um your router um so obviously it's not something you need to do very often um but I don't know. I just think it's not an unreasonable request because you wouldn't have to delete it as long as it's not automatically deleting things you don't use. Um, yeah. As long as it's your choice. Some, some people have hundreds and hundreds of apps and maybe they don't care that they've got hundreds and hundreds of apps. I don't know. Um, there you go. Um, what else have we got? Now, this one I found interesting. It says, Apple's new patent will revolutionise the keyboard. Uh, interesting engineering this is on. Again, a nice site I've not um, seen. The only thing about this, it says, it's no secret. Apple uh, files hundreds of patents um, and we have covered everything from a pencil that samples colours from the real world to a folding phone. Um, we were not surprised when you saw this latest patent by the firm for a truly revolutionary keyboard. The new keyboard would feature tiny screens on each key, bringing each you know component to life. Uh, each key may have a movable key member and an associated key display, so effectively a little tiny um, LED type um, you know display on the top of top of each. <coughs> top of each key the only thing that yes you you can get gaming keyboards that do this can't you I was going to say, I'm pretty sure that I, I mean, I know maybe nobody ever patented it, but I'm pretty sure that people have been talking about this for years, ever since, you know, little tiny well, I mean, there LED are, screens there are were tools. Available. Yeah, there are tools out there. I mean, I've got Stream Deck for, for when I'm doing live streaming. Um, and I, I, all I've done is I've downloaded the iPhone version of it mm. so that I can control it from my iPhone. But you can actually buy a Stream Deck device, mm. and that has LED keys on it and i'm pretty sure and that several years ago somebody actually produced a keyboard like that with little yeah led yes, or I'm lcd sure displays on the top of each key and it would you know the idea being that if you went into say pixelmator you could it, you know it would display the shortcuts so actually on the keys you know you could have keys that would show you where the shortcuts were or whatever um yeah i think i think that'd be quite i think i mean i i i think yes yeah, quite a nice idea in the article it says that apple has a history of attempting new keyboard ideas that failed for instance the butterfly keyboards uh, once they're never going to hear that after that are they (laughs) but i think that was more about like that was more of a design thing i think this is you know as an idea um i think i think it already kind of sounds good i mean you know the butterfly keyboard the idea was it's very has low has low travel and it's kind of you know very sleek what do you think? Oh well, if like maybe once you use it, maybe you'll like it. I don't know, but this is like you, you wouldn't really know unless you tried it. Whereas this, I think, mean, I think it already kind of you know you could see interesting applications for it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And... Potentially. I mean, the the only the only problem that I think I'd see with it is that you know we we all develop muscle memory, don't we? I mean. Yeah. True. Back true. At, back in the beginning of computers, I remember teaching myself to touch type a little. 
<laughs> I'm not particularly good at it, but I can touch type to a certain extent. And I'd struggle if my keys decided they were going to change under my fingers. <laughs> I have enough trouble with getting my fingers lined up in, correctly in the first place. I make myself laugh quite loud when I actually type some stuff and it's just complete gobbledygook. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree. Yeah. But, um, I must admit, if you're a touch typist, if you accidentally to start typing in your one key off the home key, then yeah, you get That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it can Actually, be very amusing. <laughs> it can indeed. Uh, I'm correct. I've just searched this out. Um, Wikipedia, the Optimus Maximus keyboard. Um, oh. Previously just the Optimus a... keyboard, developed by Art Lebedev Studio, uh, a Russian design studio headed by Arthony Lebedev. Uh, I'm probably pronouncing that horribly wrong, Andreas. You might know um, better. But, um, uh, not, I'm not. I'm not really an expert on Russian, so no, unfortunately, no, no idea. It might, you know, nor am I. I'm just wondering. <laughs> it might be. It might be. Oh, I don't know. I'm not going to attempt it because I know nothing. I know nothing. Um, each of the keys <laughs> is a display which can dynamically change to adapt the keyboard layout in use or show the function of the key. Initially launched in 2007, no longer available to new orders. So, but I seem to remember it was horrifically expensive. Um, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, they've got, for example, here they've got a photo, you know, a photo on the on the um, Wikipedia page. Quake Three Arena layout. The production model uses a 48 by 48 display. Um, there you go. But um, and that's actually showing the icons, which would relate to the icons on the game, rather than you know, rather than. Yes, um, I can. Yes, I can see how for gaming particularly it could be quite useful. Well, it could also be. You know, I've seen things because um, yeah, but also for you know for um, keyboard shortcuts for something like you know a graphical um, thing. You know, be it Illustrator or Pixelmator or or. Um, what's but how is that? How is that really very different from the um, from the MacBook Pro's um, Touch Bar? I mean, isn't that a similar sort of well, idea? That, yeah, except that. Yes, it's exactly that idea, except it replaces only the function keys. It, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, so this patent is really saying: well, imagine we put a little, um, you know, a little LED under everything, LED configurable display on every key, and then we could do what we like. Um, I suppose. I suppose uh, language-wise, it could be quite different, d difficult. Uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? That could be quite useful. Yes, because uh, so so, for, so you could have one keyboard, and it could be Russian or yeah. Well, know, I mean, at the it, moment, it could, it could lay itself out appropriately for whoever's using it. Well, yeah, I mean, at the moment, you can change the keyboard layout, can't you? You could change to you could change to the French layout or German layout or yes, but you know, your, your or Russian or whatever. But all that you don't, <laughs> yes, then you have to know where the keys are because yeah. if you change to Dvorak, um, then you can't see where the keys are unless you can touch type on a Dvorak keyboard. Um, you're stuffed. <laughs> yeah. Um, it depends. It depends a lot. Depends on what price they could bring it in at. I mean, if they decide oh, to charge five hundred and forty-eight quid, like they did for the <laughs> headphones, they yeah. can forget it. <laughs> but um, like all these things, I guess you know, a patent is simply a patent. But I, I thought of that, and I is. thought um, I'm pretty sure somebody already did it, and I'm right. Somebody did. Yeah. Um, no doubt. No doubt. It's some special way that Apple have decided. Oh, there'll be something. Some, there'll be something in there that which is you know. I just thought that's not really a new idea. Um. There we go. No, no, it isn't. Um, Corellium notches partial victory in iOS copyright case. Um, these are the people who were selling um, to security researchers um, a virtualized iOS 
which um, they can then poke to, you know, oh. do it, a yeah. security research on. Um, Apple have said you shouldn't be doing that because that's our OS and um, you don't have permission to, like, modify it and sell it. Um, apparently, in this case, the judge says it's fair use. Um, which seems slightly strange. Um, mm. However, there is another part of the case which the uh, judge has allowed to proceed, which uh, Apple was saying, well, in order to have got hold of it, they have to have broken the rules by, you know, um, breaking the um, breaking the security, which prevents you from separating it from an iOS device. Um, so effectively, the judge is saying selling it um, is fair use, but you may have gained it illegally in the first place. Oh, right. <laughs> it seems a rather strange thing. You would think, wouldn't you? Because, you know, let's face it, selling pirated copies of Windows is against the law. Um, this struck me as a very strange decision. But there you go. Yeah. Um, that's on Ars Absolutely. Technica. Um, and I think Bart discussed it with uh, Mac OS Ken. Um, oh, on... right. I'll be interested to hear that. I just started to listen to that. Yes, that's, um, so... they were talking about it on there. It was in their, you know, Bart's legal section. Um, on the Let's Talk Apple podcast, of course. Uh, and if you're not a listener, go take a listen. It's an excellent podcast. Monthly review of the news by uh, Bart and crew. Um and apparently Apple could be willing to back down on the disputed pair logo battle with um, the Healthy Kids company. Um, I think we'll probably remember this. That this is the one where uh, a small company um, have a pair logo and um, Apple have, you know, dropped a huge legal cease and desist on them, um, saying that uh, they're infringing their trademark. Um, and well, they've got to earn the money somehow. Generally... Um, <laughs> Reaction to this was not good. Reaction was not good. Most Apple users said, "Oh, come on, now you, you know, that's just yes, that's just you're being a bit silly. That's a bit, you know, that come on, be realistic." Um, Apple did not make themselves look very good, or at least Apple's legal department don't appear to have made themselves look very good. However, Apple have requested a thirty-day uh, deferment of the case, which usually means uh, that you know some kind of negotiation is being entered into. Um, I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the logos, there is no way you could ever mistake this pear logo for the apple logo. It's Unless you thought that pears were pears were actually apples, yes. <laughs> and that a pointing down leaf is the same as a pointing up leaf, and a, yes. a hollow logo is the same as a solid logo. Um, I think so. they missed. I think they missed the opportunity to say that they were pairing de- pairing back on oh. the disputed pear logo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear. So uh, there you go. Um, Sorry, it's New Year. I've got to start somewhere. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's. Uh, I say, let, I hope that you know some sort of sensible resolution is come to, and that surely you know. Yes. To be honest, I, I don't see this as any merit in the first place, but somehow it's got. No, not the, at all. It's it's got to that point. I mean, that you know, they're not they're not in technology. They're selling an app, which is something to do with healthy eating for children, I believe. Maybe um, Apple's lawyers were a bit bored over Christmas or something. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And this has apparently <laughs> been going on for some time, so there we go. Um, oh, dear. Right, well, we'll wrap it up soon. Uh, Amazon has bought Wondery, uh, apparently setting itself to compa- compete against Spotify for podcast domination. A somewhat over-the-top title from The Verge there. Um, I don't think Spotify has podcast domination by any state of affairs. Um, there we go. Um but Amazon have bought Wondery. I've never heard of Wondery, so I'm not quite no, sure. No, I'm how guessing it's some kind of podcast aggregator, is it? 
I believe so. Yeah. I didn't yeah. look into that too much because of, yes, it's like, really? Spotify has podcast domination? I don't think so. Um, Adobe, as you said earlier, have officially ended Flash support and recommends you uninstall Flash immediately. Um, if that's if you've still got Flash. I think most of us dropped Flash a long time ago. Um, uh, security and privacy. Signal's famous encryption may have been cracked, according to TechRadar. Um, Signal, the you know private messaging app, uh, encrypted end-to-end, have hotly disputed this, by the way. They say it's not true, so... Only time will tell on that one, I think. Um, well, no, when it comes to when it comes to security, I mean, it it is all about time, isn't it? I mean, yeah, un, un, undoubtedly, it will be cracked at some point, and or they'll have to uh, upgrade it or whatever. Whatever, because uh, that because that's how it works. That's how the yes, business. Yes, it is. <laughs> that's it's how security the end, works. Uh, uh, endless arms race, but uh, as yeah. they say here, may have been cracked. Somebody claims to have done it. Signal dispute it um, and say it's not oh, true. Right. So there we go. They have hotly refuted such allegations. Um, that's on Tech Radar if you want to go and follow that one. Uh, Brave's privacy focused browser has uh, rolled out an M1 native version for the Mac, which is nice if you um, like the Brave like privacy focused browser. Um, and that's pretty much it. Um, they're just a snippet for this week. Happy 40th birthday to the most important rule in the history of Apple. And that is that uh, Steve Jobs said we should ban typewriters from Apple Computer Incorporated. Um, <laughs> which might seem quaint now, but at the time, 40 years ago, when uh, typewriters were everywhere, uh, Steve said, if we think word processing is such a you know hot ticket item, then that's what we should be doing. Dispose of all of the typewriters. So there you go. 40 years ago today. Oh, no, a couple of days ago now, I think. But there you go. There we are. Oh, I've just heard my uh, my BBC News pipe up. Uh, Jerry Marsden of Jerry and the Pacemakers have died. Oh, dear. That's sad. Oh, dear. Still, I guess, you know, we're, we're at that age now where the people... <laughs> I can remember. We... I can remember sitting, listening to my parents talking about everyone who died. <laughs> yes, yeah, I know. and thinking how sad. But there you go. Now we're at that age. <laughs> yeah, now we're at that age where, um, you know, we constantly see things. You know, yeah, you know, Darth Vader has died, and Boba Fett has died, and yeah, there we are. <laughs> yes, indeed. Very unfortunate, but comes to us all in the end. There we are. Well, that's a rather dark ending to the show. <laughs> <laughs> there we are. But oh. in the meantime, we can use Pixelmator. <laughs> yes, we can. Cheer ourselves up painting silly pictures on Pixelmator and um, adjusting our photos yeah. to our heart's content. Yes, immortalizing yourselves in the process. Yes, quite right. Indeed. Exactly. Immortalize yourself and your loved ones using Pixelmator. There we are. Okay, well, <laughs> I think that's probably enough for us. Um, thank you so much for coming on again, Andreas, and telling us all about, you know, Pixelmator. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Lovely. Um, this is the bit where we shill ourselves uh, in the wrap-up. So, um... I'll let you go first and mention anywhere you wish to uh, promote. Uh, well, just come and follow Pixelmator on Twitter. I'm I'm not very active on social media. Um, you can find me on the on the Pixelmator forums quite a lot. But other than that, I'm a I'm a fairly 
reserved guy. I keep myself to myself. But the Pixel Made a Twitter account is the uh, is the one you should check out. So that's me. Okie dokie. So that's at Pixelmator on Twitter, and of course Pixelmator.com, and the links for the tutorials uh, will be in the show notes. Uh, Nick. Uh, yes, likewise. I'm not exactly um, a, a, a socialite, shall we say. <laughs> But uh, you can find me very occasionally on uh, Twitter. I'm uh, Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. There we go. And you can see me over on Bart's show occasionally as well. Yep. Um, not, or hear me, rather. Yeah, yeah. Not, not this month, though, because it was only him and uh, Mac OS Ken. So there we go. Um, possibly because he was he recorded at uh, you know, late on a Sunday evening this time. Yes, I think it was 10 o'clock, wasn't it, or something? Yeah, yeah 10 o'clock on a Sunday evening. I didn't think I could... Uh, didn't think I could face that, I'll be honest. Um, there we go. And you can find me on the Twitters as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Um, the show tweets under uh, at Essential Apple. All our stuff is on the website, EssentialApple.com. And uh, I think that's probably enough for us for today. Thank you, as ever, to the Slack room. Uh, thank you to all the people who support the show. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you soon. Uh, and until next time, goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Shots and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I forgot. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcasts, and take a listen. Hi, I'm Bart Bouchotts, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie Is it interesting you're saying about the um, speed of the M1 Max? I because I bought one, I bought one of the Mac Minis, mm-hmm. and um, I uh, I just started to teach myself how to use. Um, uh, oh, I'm going to forget the name of the thing now. I'm going to have to call it up in front of me. Uh, DaVinci, DaVinci Resolve. Oh yes, the video editor. Yeah, yeah. and um, I tried it on my Intel Mac Mini, which I only bought in July um, this mm. year. <laughs> well, last year now. Um, uh, and I was only editing something fairly short, about three or four minutes long. Um, and to render it out took about three or four minutes, um, maybe a little bit less than the actual real time uh, on the Intel one. Um, I then tried it on the um, 
uh, 17.4 or whatever it is of uh, DaVinci, which is the the uh, M1 enhanced one, uh, and it, it it took an average 15 seconds. Wow. Which is uh, quite a lot faster than three or four minutes. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean these, it's crazy. I think I think I think it's interesting how much of a leap forward these devices are in terms of in terms of their performance on these kind of on on such a huge variety of tasks. I mean, I, I myself, I'm still, I'm still using a a MacBook Pro and Intel Intel MacBook Pro, but I, I do look forward to to seeing uh, what the. I guess I mean when the 16 inch MacBook Pro comes out, it'll be interesting yes. to see. I think a lot of people. Like. I think that will sell. I think that will sell very well because a lot yeah. of people seem to be waiting for that. Which is, I can yeah. imagine it's going to have probably the, the M2 or M1X in there. Yes. Well, I guess M1X. That's just speculation. <laughs> but but M2 yes, what, whatever M1X, they call whatever yeah. they call whatever the they call next it, generation. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yes. yeah. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. But even the M1s are. Uh, I mean, I don't do that. That video editing is probably the most intensive thing I do. Um, mm. And I say so I've only just started to learn how to do that. How to do that. Um, so I'm. I'm certainly not um, an experienced user in that sense. But it just. It's just really, really fast and snappy at everything. Yeah. So you said you you got the Mac Mini, right? So I guess you haven't you yes. haven't been able to evaluate the, uh, the battery life. But I, you know, that's been that's been one of the things that. Well, yes, there's, yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, no, obviously I haven't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I've, but, yeah. Uh, I've got the um the M1 MacBook Air. Okay. Yeah. And I mean the battery life. Bearing in mind that I came from a 2013 MacBook Pro. Oh well. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Which that's a big leap. Had probably a real life battery you know uh probably i don't know what they claimed when it was new probably five or six hours you could realistically get two to three hours out of that um yeah on a full charge although most of the time i would plug it in you know i'd get down to about 50 percent and plug it in just yeah, yeah. so that you don't have to keep looking at the battery the first thing i noticed with this of course is I, I, I originally, like, I just out of habit, plugged it in, and then I thought, well, this thing's supposed to have like eighteen hours of battery life or something. So you, <clears throat> I, I'm not sure. I've not tested it, but you can have it going all day and look mm. at it, and it, you think like, well, I've only used half a battery. So yeah, the battery life is ludicrous. Well, the other the other big thing I notice, because um, I've got I've still got both of the Mac Minis on my desk here, uh, mm. and I'm still I'm still I still haven't finished copying stuff across from one to the other. Um, but uh, is as soon as you use the Intel one, uh, it gets hot. Uh, what well, gets hot? It might not. Yeah, I might not. The fans aren't that noticeable. No, but because I'm never putting it to that much, you know, under that much strain. But it certainly gets hot, whereas this uh, this M1 is just you can put my hand on it. It's cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold. It's running, but it's cold. It's not, there is no heat being transferred to the case whatsoever. I mean, that's, <laughs> that was probably yeah. You're right. There was something else I noticed with it was um, obviously this is fanless. Um, yes. Not that the fans on the 2013 MacBook Pro kicked in a lot, or when they did, they weren't loud. But you would know. Uh, no, I mean, all, all, most you... Mac most Macs were quiet unless you really sort of had. Oh yeah, the unless you really CPU. Had but the, you would, especially if you actually had it on your lap, you would feel the heat in the case, and sometimes under your palms, you would feel the heat. Yes. On the palm yeah. rest, this thing stone cold. You know, as, as some somebody said on another podcast, it's freezing here. I've gone back to my Intel Mac laptop <laughs> for a bit of warmth. 
<laughs> yeah, I just I noticed I noticed a couple of days ago that you know Flash is now gone, it's mm. dead completely. But uh, perhaps we ought to get it back just to sort of get the fans going. Get the fans going. <laughs> Generate some heat. This has been the Essential Apple Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and we look forward to you joining us again another time. Until then, goodbye.